Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that aims to help leaders change the way they lead. I'm your host, Andy Peck. This week we're looking at a topic that Christians in leadership have found especially challenging. How do we handle the challenge of communicating the biblical approach to sexual ethics in a world that questions its validity? I'm joined by David Bennett, who is involved with communications at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, or ReZim for short, and speaks on issues of sexuality for them. David moved from arguing for LGBT rights in his mid-teens to becoming an advocate for the Christian faith. So it's a show that will touch on adult themes. Uh, so if you're listening to this live on a Sunday afternoon, uh, you may want to make sure that children are out of earshot. So welcome to you, David. Good to uh, have you on the show. Hi there, Andy. Thank you for having me. Um, so, so your journey to working with our Zim, uh, of course, encompasses your journey to faith and ministry and ties in with today's topic. So perhaps share a little bit of your story uh, for us. Absolutely. So, yeah, as as you've touched on, Andy, as, as a young person, I was uh, a very anti-Christian gay rights activist. Mm. I worked towards rights for um, gay marriage, particularly. Mm. And then um, at around the age of 19, I had a Paul-style conversion experience in a pub in the gay quarter of Sydney with a young lady who prayed for me. And she said to me, after all my objections in our conversation to God's existence... Uh, have you experienced the love of God? And so actually, what I really love to talk about is the love of God and how, yes, my journey with sexuality connects with that, mm. but particularly how all people are loved by God and how mm. all people need the love of God, but how we all have unique stories that require different um, interrogations and questioning into mm. how the love of God applies to our lives. Mm. So particularly with the issue of sexuality now, I've been talking with RZIM around the world, in America, Asia, all, all around all around the place, which has been really exciting, mm. really amazing. And just one thing that's really encouraged me, Andy, has been the amount of just so many people out there in the world in all sorts of different countries that are exactly like me. Mm-hmm. They want to follow Jesus. They want to give their whole lives to him including their sexuality, then they're Mm. same-sex attracted. Mm. And they're needing pastoral care. They're needing Mm. to actually be celebrated by the church, but they're not. They often live in this nomad's land Mm. culturally. So I'm really happy to speak to you today and to be able to encourage church leaders in this. Right. Well, it's a real privilege to to have you on. And uh, I mean, we're going to be looking at communicating a a Christian sex ethic. Uh, Mm. Of course, you know that the Christian church has traditionally taken the view that same-sex sexual relationships are not appropriate for someone seeking to follow Christ. Uh, you had to wrestle with this yourself? I did. I mean, as soon as I became a Christian for the first three years of my journey, I didn't think there was anything wrong with mm. a gay relationship or a gay mm. marriage. I just thought, well, you know, Paul's a bit anti-women and he's a bit <laughs> a bit anti-gay, but Jesus is wonderful. That was kind of my attitude for a mm. long time. Mm. Um, but as I came to wrestle with Scripture mm. and and, and actually experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I came to a moment in my life where I said to Jesus, you know what, Jesus, you died. You mm. gave your whole body on the cross for me. Lord, mm. Father, you gave your son to me. Mm. What right do I have to hold back any part of my life, my sexuality included? I'm willing to be celibate for you, Lord. Mm. Um, and that was a very difficult thing because of the culture we live in, which idolizes romantic love and says, if you don't have a partner, if you're not romantically engaged, mm. then you're not whole. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was a huge turnaround in my life, but that all came through 
direct relationship with God, not mm. just people telling me how to live my life. Sure. It was actually a deep conviction that I did have, a personal choice mm-hmm. um, that I made. Yeah. So um, when I've heard you talk on the topic, you, you kind of frame the discussion in terms of how we're all tempted to make an idol of romantic relationship. You hinted at that a yes. bit earlier in terms of the, the value of experience of love. So rather than focusing on how Scripture makes intimacy with Christ you know, part of our walk with him. So can you un- kind of unpack that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, the love of God, mm. as we see in the person of Jesus Christ, is self-sacrificial. Mm. It's the love of the cross, but it's also a passionate love of bride and bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And so actually in our relationship with Jesus, we should all have a, a place within us, that inner place that Jesus talks about, mm. where the living waters will flow. And actually mm. the solution to broken sexuality, universally for all mankind, I believe is actually the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus's spirit, his mm. presence with us. We need intimacy. We need love. We need a passionate romance. We all mm. need that in our soul. And so that's the same for all people. And actually, mm. I came to discover that that was what would make me whole. Mm. It wasn't making my sexuality mm. the ultimate thing in my life. It was breaking down that false worship, that broken worship. Mm. And Paul in Romans 1, what he's really talking about is not homosexual people per se. He's actually talking about broken worship mm-hmm. and that this is the real issue behind sin, behind death in the world is broken worship. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And and that's, you know, obviously that's this is the idolatry of romantic relationship is something that can be faced it's someone in a heterosexual relationship, someone in a marriage, you can idolize your partner. And and this is, yes. you know, this is part of the, sadly, the framework that can exist within a local church. Definitely. I think often we see in the church a celebration of marriage that's actually louder than the celebration of God himself. Yeah. And I think for someone who's single or same-sex attracted like me, that mm. can be really difficult. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like you're a little bit deleted out of existence. Now, that's mm. not to say you don't want to celebrate marriages. I mean, mm. they're amazing. And if, God, if they're God-ordained, let's celebrate them. Mm. But what about celebrating single people's sacrifice for the Lord as mm. well and having some kind of formal liturgy or mm. cultural way in our church that we yeah. honour that sacrifice? I think that's really needed. Mm. 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 And, of course, you know, the Apostle Paul himself... As far as we're aware, we don't know exactly whether he'd ever been married, but certainly in his ministry world, he was same. He was, you know, single and uh, yeah. And I mean, he he gave up his whole life to preach mm. the gospel, to live the gospel out. And he says, "I wish you were all as I am." Mm. Mm. And actually, it's a really beautiful passage in Isaiah fifty-six, which talks about eunuchs. They're single mm. people or people who've become single for the sake of the kingdom mm. of mm. God. Maybe they're same-sex attracted like me, and they decide they want to be single. They want to give that up for Jesus, mm. and that that's the right step. And actually. Scripture says in Isaiah 56 that God will give those people a name that is better than that of sons mm. and daughters, an honor and a monument to them that is mm. just is, is actually in some sense greater than than marriage. So I think there's this equal glory for both marriages and mm. celibacy, and we just need to hold those in tension and keep them you know, in an equal relationship in the church under God. Sure. Now I'm aware that, f- that folk listening that I mean probably the majority of church leaders hold to the uh, traditional view but there's a mm. there's sometimes a feel that there's a bit of a trend uh, and a move and certainly the some within the anglican church would say the move is towards yes. accepting same-sex marriage within a, within a you know um in the marriage situation as being normative and something that the church should welcome you know you've had your your journey what would you say to those who are creating the trends are all in one direction well, i just want to call five first i think we are talking within the context of the church mm-hmm. but for me i don't want to make comment outside no, sure, of that sure. but within the church i think it's really important actually there is such a profound um importance of what marriage is mm-hmm. marriage is a reflection 
of God's own nature. Mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, different yet one. Mm-hmm. Male and female, different yet mm-hmm. one in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And I came to a point in my journey where I said to myself, I cannot, as a worshiper of God, mm-hmm. give up the image and glory of God in humanity, mm-hmm. which is male and female. So actually, I came to a point where I was like, I can't be for this in the church. Mm-hmm. And so that's that. And I was actually really appreciative to my church, which I was, you know, such an activist in my church. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get them to accept gay marriage. And I was up the front at the church, you know, every second Sunday, like, what are you going to do about this? You know, mm-hmm. gay teens are committing suicide and you need to do something, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and I was actually grateful in the, in the long term mm-hmm. that my church didn't change its position but loved and accepted me where I was at and could see the great call on my life, even if mm. I had this desire to change things. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes there's a lie out there that if we compromise holiness, if we compromise some aspect of the gospel, more people will become Christians. Yeah. Yeah. But actually that's not true and it's never been true. Yeah. Holiness is the presence of Christ in us. So when people see us and we are holy and we don't compromise what scripture mm. says, but we love and we're like Christ then people come to Christ. So I really think we have to keep this, we have to really be able to be countercultural today and actually stand and say, no, we, we see this differently, but with love and actually with a real care for the gay community and actually entering into the suffering of the gay community. Mm. Jesus always entered into the suffering of others. He never ran away from it. And what I see a lot of in the evangelical church mm. is people running away from suffering because it's all just too hard. Yeah. Well, the cross is hard. Mm. The cross is painful. There's death in it, but there's so much life that comes through it. And I think mm. we just have to walk with gay people in their cross, just as with you know we have to bear mm. one another's burdens. I think that's really important mm. um, in the church today. Well, I mean, I know ministers and, and church leaders who who will not tackle the topic of same-sex attraction in sermons. Yeah, and there, there, there were various fears. I mean, some think it will be dis- divisive because they think their congregation may disagree. They may have, you know, they, they're fearing maybe they'll, they'll create unnecessary pain for those same-sex attracted. Uh, and maybe they're unsure of themselves that yeah. they should, what they should say because they're tempted to follow the culture. They're thinking, actually, secretly, I think, you know, why shouldn't everyone do what they want? Because this is what our culture is saying. And I don't want to, you know, stand against that. So mm. can you perhaps talk to some of those fears and give some advice to church leaders listening who, who perhaps have run scared from the topic? Absolutely, Andy. I think this is such a great question, and it's something that really weighs on me in what I'm doing. Um, I see a lot of very vulnerable people Mm. like myself in the church that aren't receiving much support at all. Mm. A lot of them fall away from the church, and they're Mm. on the fringes. And I would say to church leaders, what needs to happen is a shift in the way that we communicate. Mm. Mm. We need to be telling the stories of people like myself in the church. That's where the power is to talk Mm. about this issue. Just ticking the box and preaching about it is not enough. Mm. There has to be telling the stories of same-sex attracted, um, celibate people like myself who are committed to holiness, to the gospel. And then there's also the actual incarnational aspect. Mm. How are we creating communities where it's actually possible to live out the kind of life mm. I'm living mm-hmm. and it be a life of flourishing not a life of you know mm. cultural irrelevance or, mm. or suffering on the side so I think we really need to shift the way we talk about this as the church yeah. we're listening to the leadership file with me Andy Peck I'm joined this week by uh, David Bennett uh, David is uh, uh, involved with communications at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries and we'll be back just after this welcome back to the leadership file with me Andy Peck I'm joined this week by David Bennett David is involved with 
communication at Ravi, Zikus, <laughs> Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, if I can say the word. Mm. Uh, and he speaks on issues of sexuality for them. We're looking particularly at um, how we, uh, uh, as leaders, provide a, a appropriate Christian sex ethic in a world where um, the biblical position is, is, is questioned and, and uh, regarded as invalid. And David's shared before the break a little bit of his own story of, uh, of being a, a kind of LBGT uh, activist and um, having, having come to faith and now uh, seeks to be uh, celibate for, for Christ and uh, mm. seeks to serve him uh, as as uh, within this uh, topic uh, as well as uh, working for uh, Rabbi Zacharias Ministries. So um, you work with Rabbi, with Arzim, as we're going to mm. call it, um, known for its ap expert expertise in apologetics. Do you find that issues surrounding sexuality are, are, are a problem for the non-believer? Are people thinking, hey, I, I can't go for Christianity because of this? Or that, is that a bit of a myth from a yeah. Christian angle? Well, you know, five to ten years ago, the real mm. objection to Christianity was, was from the new atheist camp. Yeah. But actually now we're seeing, as in the Barna poll that was done in 2009 mm. in the States, that actually people's greatest objection to Christianity comes from the perception that Christians are homophobic. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, absolutely, this is, if not the most important question that we mm. are facing as a church today in terms of how our mm. public witness, because if God doesn't love gay people, of mm. course he does, mm. I 100%, you know, mm. validate that. But if there is this idea mm. that God somehow rejects their experience, then I think for people, they feel like, well, then how could I believe in that God? I don't yeah, want to have yeah. to choose between the gay community and God. That's mm, mm. horrible. So people feel like they're in this conundrum. And I, I really want to say you don't have to be in that conundrum. Sure, Actually, sure. God loves gay people. God has an incredibly mm. deep respect for those of us mm. who, who follow him. Mm. And he sees the unique sacrifice we give. Yeah. And for me, this has been a unique sacrifice. Mm, mm. Sure, I'm a sinner like everyone, but the way that I'm broken is unique. And there's a unique sacrifice that I give to Christ. But actually, any sacrifice we give to Jesus mm -hmm. will be given back to us a hundredfold. And so I've actually found so much joy in my life in giving mm. this up. It's really bizarre. At first, I didn't think that. But mm. as I've lived this out over the last eight years, mm. I actually have the most incredible joy. And I was at a Living Out um, event recently. Mm. And I was there was a just a married Christian woman there who didn't know anything about sexuality. And she was with five of us who were recording our stories. And... She's, who are all same-sex attracted mm. Christians and she said, you know what, you all have the most joy I've ever seen of any Christian <laughs> so actually there's an incredible yeah, yeah. joy that you do have in no, this. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I guess part of the part of the issue is that, that leaders, uh, sometimes they're, they're, they're confused with with what they're supposed to think yes. uh, about the issue because there obviously there's a, a genetic component to this there's yeah. a, and, and you know traditionally the church has said oh, if someone is same-sex attracted they are being rebellious against mm -hmm. god you know it's the Rome, they, they take the romans one out of the wrong yes. context and, totally. and therefore they've they're they're frightened yes. because they think these people are you know they're having to defend god yes well i think it's really important that we we also recognize the place of science mm. you know there's a book of nature and then there's the book of, mm. of scripture and they both reveal things to us about god mm. now there's a lot of science to show that we don't conclusively know what causes homosexuality, mm -hmm. but what we do know scientifically is that it's not a choice and it seems to be a fixed yep. thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's and actually scripturally and theologically, God created us male and female in his image. Mm -hmm. So this is a unique struggle in the sense that it goes right to the heart of what it means to be made in mm -hmm. the image of God. Yeah, yeah. It's not like other things. It has a unique yeah. aspect. The desire to have a romantic partner is not a bad desire. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for people like myself, mm -hmm. 
we have to give that up because there's no option for us to be married. Sure, we can't sure. just change our sexuality. Yeah. God doesn't just flick a switch. It's much more profound than that. And it's, I think, a very deep area of what it means to be human. So I think for church leaders, they need to enter into that with us and understand mm. that experience before they speak on it. Mm. Because I think the church has sometimes been too quick to jump to conclusions about, well, maybe mm. it can be changed or these mm. other things. Reparative therapy, no, like <laughs> really, this is far more profound than that. And that's because yes, there are Christian charities in the states, for example, yeah. who've, for whom that's been the yeah. you know, their their approach. Yeah, and we are body, soul, and spirit. Mm. Every aspect of what we are and what we experience has some, you know, there's a spirit aspect, a soul, a body's aspect. So I think it, it's it's a mm. complex issue. It has to do with the image of God. It's very profound, and we need to just sit in that complexity mm. instead of trying to oversimplify why someone is homosexual yeah um any any tips if i can use that language for 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 a leader who may who may have some you know same-sex attractive people they know about maybe the rest of the church don't have this issue obviously male and female it's it's an issue for both i would really urge church leaders to start a a more like private safe space a safe Mm. shelter for same-sex attracted and gay people Mm. regardless of their stance on this Mm -hmm. where people can actually start to talk in Mm. in the church um in 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 a private safe space i think it's really important and a lot of churches now are starting groups for same-sex attracted Mm -hmm. or gay people in their Mm. churches to explore this together and pray through it together i think that's really valuable and i think it's also really good to get people up for a testimony to Mm. talk about how they've processed this Mm. when they're ready um and um when there's enough of a maturity there that that you know so I think it's really important we tell people stories about their sexuality in the church. And I think that has a great, people from all backgrounds can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really good way of supporting people as well. Any books that you'd particularly recommend for those who Absolutely, are yeah. to explore further? I think um, one of the books that I really recommend, which actually changed my life, was a book by Wesley Hill, who is a... Um, New Testament professor in the US called Washed and Waiting. Um, It's his memoir of being same-sex attracted and gay, and it goes through very deep theology on it. The other thing I'd recommend is actually I have a book coming out um, next year, which will be called uh, The War of the Loves, A Gay Rights Activist uh, Encounters Jesus Christ. Uh, So that should be coming out next year. And then uh, the other book I would re- or books I would recommend are by Ed Shaw, The Plausibility Problem, which talks about is it really plausible to be celibate in this day and age um, for same-sex attractive people and not same-sex attractive people. And then also his other book, The Same-Sex Attracted Christian, um, is really great. And also Sam Albury has a very short book called Is God Anti-Gay? Um, and I think these are great resources. There's a few websites I'd also recommend, spiritualfriendship.org, that's spiritualfriendship.org, and uh, livingout.org. Both of them are um, resources to talk and think about this with people like myself and others reflecting on the topic. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, if you were searching for a pen, those those um, names and details again, uh, Wesley Hill, Washed and Waiting, uh, David himself, David Bennett as B E N E T, the War of the Loves. Uh, which, which, when, uh, when roughly it's coming out? It should be coming out either next, either like late next year or into 2018. Okay, splendid. And then uh, Ed Shaw, uh, the plausibility problem, uh, and the same-sex attracted Christian. 
that's both by Ed Shaw, and then Sam Albury is God Anti-Gay, and then spiritualfriendship.org is the website that uh, David mentioned, and livingout.org uh, is also um, available. So, so David, your your work is to um, is working with uh, with uh, Rabbi Zacharias Ministries. Um, I, I've now um, explained and explored for people. It's, it's quite a well-known ministry, but just share a little bit about who, who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, so. so actually at the moment I'm studying at the University of Oxford and I'm an adjunct speaker with the Zacharias Trust, mm. which is the UK branch um, okay. of the organisation. And I'm very privileged to work with some of the most incredible Christian minds and, mm. and speakers and people who are deep... Um, deep believers I mean mm. I'm very blessed to be part of that family so I'm loving working with mm. them loving my studies at Oxford mm. hoping eventually to do um, master study on this actual topic oh, great. theologically mm. so yeah it's really great um, I've had some time in the States speaking at different churches mm. as well and just seeing um, incredible uh, response and a lot of love that the mm. church really does have for gay people I think that needs to be highlighted mm. that the gay community is loved by the church mm, and that we to need hear. to stop speaking past each other and actually speak to each other yeah, yeah. and respect our differences but and Rabbi yeah. Zacharias of course um, people may yeah. not know he's, he's the founder of the he's the founder he's you know the world's top apologist at mm. the moment Christian apologist evangelist traveling around the world an incredible man of God I've spoken to him privately and talked to him about all sorts of things and he's just someone who has great heart and really beautiful um spirit he's a mm. lovely man and he really knows the lord i think mm. that's what i really yes. came along away with and also you know we have amy or ewing who mm. is an incredible leader for our generation mm. Mm. michael ramsden yes. as well so yeah it's an incredible organization and we're really seeing we have a center in oxford called the oxford center for christian mm. apologetics which trains young up-and-coming evangelists and apologists christian communicators mm. of the gospel um, and I did that course back three years ago. So I recommend checking that out as mm. well. If you're really interested in how do I reach culture for Christ, mm. Mm. it's an incredible uh, uh, opportunity, one-year course there. And, and um, you know, you, you work with university students, which is great. Yes, yeah. Um, but I, but I, I brought my boys to um, the Rebound Conference in... Um, Reboot, uh, reboot yeah. sorry, reboot yeah. come from rebound, reboot yeah. <laughs> in um yeah, in London, and uh, and so you work with uh, youth workers and yeah. and youngsters as well. Well, actually, I had the privilege of organising reboot and being mm. part of kind of the team that got that off the mm. ground. And reboot's a youth apologetics conference. Mm. So what does that mean? Well, mm. it means the big questions. Yeah. It's a space for young people, twelve to eighteen, to actually explore the big questions in faith, mm. science, sexuality, identity, mm. uh, body image, anything you know, from pastoral issues right up to the most heady mm. apologetics issues. So we we are, as a team, really care for this next generation and we want to be thinking into their questions, not just past questions. Yeah. Yeah. And so Reboot's also an incredible privilege for us to field mm. the questions of the next generation. So I'd really recommend mm. get onto the Reboot website, reboot.org.uk, mm. check it out, book, in, book your kids in, book in your youth group if you're a youth leader. Or, or worker, check that out. Yeah, I mean, I yeah personally recommend that very much. Having taken my boys, um, aged twelve and thirteen, now fourteen. Yeah. So yeah, do it. <laughs> bring your youth group. People do that. They bring their whole youth group along. Totally, and, and it's it's really well priced. I we have a Justin Bieber game where you have to <laughs> yes. get you have to um, see if it's a Justin Bieber lyric or a psalm, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. my favorite part of <laughs> of, of reboot. <laughs> well, I have to. Be, yeah, I, I was out. I was out pretty early on in that game. It has to be said. My son did rather better. So uh, there we go. Hey, David, it's been fantastic to chat with you, and and thank you so much for speaking so candidly and helpfully for 
uh, for many leaders listening for whom this is a big issue to, to challenge. And, Thank um, you so much for having me, Andy, and for giving giving me the opportunity to speak into this. So, thank you. so you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by David Bennett. Uh, as you've heard, David's involved with communications at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Uh, so do go to their website and check out what they're doing. Um, uh, those uh, other addresses, again, spiritualfriendship.org and livingout.org will also give you some more information about the topic of, that David's been covering. Uh, do log on to Premier's website and you can go to the on-demand section of The Leadership File and listening to archive recordings you can go to the uh, itunes uh, section to type in leadership file and you can listen to past episodes that are there permanently for you so um and you can sign up and uh, get uh, these recordings uh, down to your listening device um when they come out and they're broadcast so look forward to your company again next sunday at 3 30 thanks for tuning in You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.